Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second scripture is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Over the next month, my husband and I will complete the COVID vaccination process. Some of you are already fully vaccinated. Some of you are almost there, and some are still on the fence. And I get it. I'm a little worried about this vaccine. Now, I'm not worried that the vaccine will change my DNA. That's not how it works. If we could change DNA with a shot, we'd have a cure for cancer. I'm also not worried that the government is injecting me with microchips to track my every movement. They're already tracking me on my phone. But still, I am worried. I'm worried because once I'm vaccinated, I might have to leave the house. I don't want to leave my house again. Staying home means that I can take midday walks around the neighborhood. It means I never worry about a babysitter or about cleaning. It means I never struggle through rush hour traffic. Often I even get three square meals a day. And no one ever asks me, what are you doing this weekend? I always feel pressure to make something up that's interesting. But now, what am I doing? Well, if it's a good weekend, I'm doing nothing. And I'm pretty stoked. After a year of padding around my house in elastic pants and old t-shirts, I found a new normal. But here comes the vaccine. And I'm worried that it's going to change everything. It's human to worry about change. In our New Testament reading, the disciples are worried. They're worried because they're adjusting to a massive change in expectation. A week before Easter, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem with the crowds chanting, Hosanna, save us, son of David. See, everyone expects Jesus to resurrect, not himself, but the long-lost kingdom of Israel. Jesus will return Israel to her former glory and break the yoke of Roman rule. And then Jesus is crucified. And the fervor of the disciples dissolves into fear. Three nights after Jesus' death, the disciples are gathered in a room. They lock the doors because they're afraid of what is outside. And suddenly, Jesus shows up. Now, Jesus didn't RSVP. He doesn't even knock on the door. Apparently, no one invited him. They thought he'd be too dead to join the party. But here he is, 
And the disciples are overjoyed. They can't believe it's really him. Why are they so surprised? Why are they surprised? They shouldn't have been surprised. It's been over 12 hours since Mary Magdalene met Jesus near the tomb, and she didn't keep it a secret. She told them, I have seen the Lord. But they didn't believe her. Jesus has to show up in the flesh. And when he shows up, what does he do? What does he say? He says, shalom, peace be with you. This is a standard Jewish greeting, but it also reminds us of a conversation Jesus had on the night of his arrest at the Last Supper. Knowing what will come, Jesus reassures his disciples, and this is John 14, my peace, my shalom, I give to you, my peace I leave with you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. And yet we read that the disciples are afraid. This peace is not just a calm feeling. It's a source of wholeness and healing and rootedness. But instead of drawing on that peace, the disciples have locked themselves into a room. Now, we don't need four walls and a door to lock ourselves in. We are creative people. We can build prisons out of anything. In 1944, Lieutenant Hiru Onoda was dispatched to Lubang Island in the Philippines. He was serving in the Japanese army in a unit of guerrilla fighters, and they were tasked with stopping Allied attempts to take the island. They were instructed not to surrender. Eight months later, Hiroshima and Nagasaki were bombed. The war ended. Japan and Germany were demilitarized. The United Nations was born. The Geneva Conventions were signed. Skyscrapers dotted and then dominated the skyline of Tokyo. There was a television in every house and a car in every driveway. The world moved on. But Hiru did not move on. For 30 years, Hiru lived in the jungles of Lubang, waging war against the island. And he was not alone at first. There were many Japanese soldiers had gone into hiding, and they didn't have radios or telephones. So they had to drop pamphlets into the jungle, flyers, informing these soldiers that the war was over and they could come out. But Hiru and his team had been warned about these allied propaganda. They had been warned in their training, and they weren't any fools. They threw their pamphlets away, and they went deeper into the jungle. One by one, his companions died or surrendered to local authorities. After years of searching, Hiru was located alive, but he was a dedicated soldier. He refused to leave his post. Finally, the Japanese government located his commanding officer from 1944, Major Yoshimi Taniguchi, who was now living as a bookseller. And they convinced him to come down to the Philippines to release Hiru from his duties. 30 years, gone. 30 years in a prison, not made of bars, but of duty and distrust. Hiru Onodo created his own prison. The disciples created their own prison, and we create our own prisons as well. 
We build walls with whatever we can find. We build prisons of shame and regret. We deny the light inside of us. We build prisons of arrogance and greed. We use people and we love things. We build prisons of bigotry and prejudice, locking out anyone whose views or actions or physical appearance challenge us. We build prisons of habits. We cling to old comforts. Breaking away feels too hard or too terrifying. We build prisons of fear. We create safe rooms among safe people who will never question us or hold us accountable or help us to grow. And we build prisons of bitterness and anger. We hold tight to old grudges. We refuse to forgive. We continue to fight a war that has long been declared over. But here's the thing. No matter how high our wall, and no matter how strong our gate, no matter how secure our lock, Jesus cannot be kept out. Jesus finds a way in. Jesus breaks into those prisons and shows up uninvited and unannounced with his shalom. He reminds us that we are not given a spirit of fear. We are given the spirit of God. And with the power of God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are sent out to forgive to continue the ministry of reconciliation. This word, forgive, the Greek is aphemi. You don't need to know that, but know that that word doesn't just mean forgive. It shows up all through the Bible. It also means to release, to free, as in to free from prison, to release from sin, to release from death. Jesus promises release. And he tells the disciples that now their job is to go out and release others. Jesus encouraged and demonstrated radical forgiveness. It's not human forgiveness. This is divine forgiveness that grows from a deep, abiding relationship with God. Yes, they will know we are Christians by our love, but more than that, They will know we are Christians by how freely we forgive, by how we release others from the prisons of sin and shame, regret and pride, bitterness, prejudice, and fear. They will know we are Christians by how we unlock doors and tear down walls, by how we draw one another out of those dark hiding places and isolated strongholds. They will know we are Christians by how we forgive ourselves and one another. And every time we forgive, we remember the one who forgave us. And we remember that the war is over. We have been released. Freedom can be scary. The disciples didn't recognize their freedom at first. They didn't recognize the power of the resurrection. So Jesus shows up on the night of Easter, and they're all hiding in a locked room. Jesus shows up a week later. Again, they are hiding in a locked room. Jesus shows up a third time. This story is in John chapter 21. Now the disciples have left the locked room, but they've gone fishing. 
They've gone back to doing the thing they were doing before they met Jesus. And we do the same thing. We revert. We cling to lives of comfort instead of reaching for lives of consequence. Don't we know that the resurrection changes everything? The vaccination will change everything, too, in its own way. For the first time in a year, I'll emerge from my fortress of solitude. I'll eat at restaurants, see long-lost friends and relatives, might even go bowling. I bet you have a list of things you want to do as well. Soon we might be able to visit people in the hospital, hold a proper funeral, hold a proper wedding, honor and celebrate and memorialize the milestones of life. Soon we may be able to sing again. And when we are set free, I hope that we remember the power of that freedom. I hope we remember not to keep hiding, not to hold on to the past, not to languish in our self-made prison. Because we are not given a spirit of fear, but the spirit of God. And with it, we are sent out to bring healing and wholeness, forgiveness and shalom to the world. May we have the courage to answer that call. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.